Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Rachel Fershleiser. And now, here's our first letter. Recovering sister-in-law, mean, after major surgery. Dear Prudence, my husband's sister is only 33 years old but recently suffered a massive stroke and had to have brain surgery. She's been in a rehab facility for nearly two months. During that time, we cared for her preteen daughter, and now she's come to stay to finish her outpatient therapy. Now that she's here, my husband sleeps on the floor in her bedroom in case she needs something in the middle of the night and is encouraging her to continue her at-home exercises so she can become more independent. He has truly gone above and beyond for her. She has been demanding, rude, ungrateful, and downright mean and nasty at times, mostly directed at my husband and niece. This was such a surprise because we had talked to her daily via video chat due to the distance and COVID, and it did not seem as if anything was out of the ordinary concerning her behavior. It finally came to a blow several days ago when she lashed out at my husband in front of our two small children for not picking up the food she ordered quickly enough. We are unsure of how to handle this situation. She has nowhere else to go and cannot yet live independently, but her behavior is so awful at times that I stay in my bedroom and keep my children with me so they don't witness it. What do I do? This one was really just heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, it's sad for her as well, obviously. Yeah. It, it's a little unclear. It, it seems like this must be an effect of her surgery, right? If she wasn't like this before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that that struck me as being just definitively true is that something to do with the stroke and or the brain surgery is, is causing this. I, I was... Um, I, I think the first thing to do is to talk to her doctors, which like they can't give you information because of HIPAA, but you can call and say just like, here are some symptoms we're observing that concern us. And we hope that you'll include that as part of your treatment plan. Um, you know, mood disorders, personality changes are all possible after a stroke. They're not necessarily permanent, but they're, they're real and it's a real problem. Yeah. I mean, it's not clear if the husband is maybe the next of kin who can work more closely with the doctors. Yeah. It, I think actually originally this letter was quite a bit longer and um, there were there was more detail about how the husband's been oh. doing most of the coordinating with her, her various care teams. So I, it sounds like he's already in contact with them. And so it's not a case yeah. of like, don't address it with her, go over her head, tell her doctors, have them make a decision for her, treat her like she can't be involved in her own care. I don't mean right. that at all. I just mean, in addition to trying to have a conversation about this with her, you and your husband can absolutely share this with her doctors and and ask if they can recommend to her um, any other sorts of follow-up treatment that can help deal with mood swings, mood disorders, depression, irritability, right. personality changes. Right. And the other thing I would say is to talk with the children. I mean, I don't know how old her two small children are, but mm -hmm. the but the niece is older, clearly. You know, and just to communicate that the mother slash aunt is not feeling well and everyone's doing their best and she doesn't mean to be unkind and she loves you and um, it might be hard to see her be so upset. But, 
we're doing everything we can to take care of her and you haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to to talk over with your husband first when and how you could approach his sister about this. Um, under what mm-hmm. circumstances would it feel safe and appropriate? Under what circumstances do you think you could do it without directly involving the kids too much? Um, what are some concerns that you can lay out? How can you make it clear that like both we love you and and we know that a lot of this is also just like the side effects of of having to go through something as awful as brain surgery and recover from it, right? Like even if that didn't also cause certain like changes to to your brain, that would just be exhausting and frustrating. Um, but to also like let her know, like if you yell at us or say something rude to the kids, um, you know, that's not okay. And we're going to uh, either ask you to change your tone or we're going to leave the room. Like try to figure out what are limits that you can set that are still loving and still have compassion for the position that she's in and the fact that this isn't something she's just doing because she got bored one day. Um, but that also makes it clear like to the kids, especially like she's acting this way. It's it's not always within her control. We have compassion for her, but that also doesn't mean we just have to let her yell at us and we can't do anything and we only have to hide in our rooms, you know? Right. And and that's the balance, right? Is like, it, it, I think it can feel like, well, if it's not really her fault, we just have to accept it as the way things are now and there's nothing we can do about it. Or, you know, we treat her like she's just doing this maliciously and and really push back. And I think the the best order is talk to her about it. You know, wait for a moment when she's relatively calm, when she doesn't need anything, maybe when the kids are asleep, but like share with her what you've experienced and what you've noticed. Tell her that you want to talk to her care team about it. Do that. And then also try to establish rules um, that don't in any way compromise her care or her getting food and water or her medicine or whatever she needs physically. Um, but that's also like, if you're going to scream at me for not picking up trash, I'm going to leave the room and I'll come back later. Right. And teaching the teaching the kids that they haven't done anything wrong, but also that doing the right thing is not always easy. And we need to care for the people we love, even when they're not being easy without encouraging them to accept bad treatment either. I think it's really a line to walk. Yeah. And I think that's so good. Yeah. To really stress to the kids, a couple of kind of complicated ideas, one of which is like your mom has been like, she's had an illness that affects her brain and that sometimes affects the way that she treats other people. So you want to encourage them not to like think of her as a not who she was, but like in some ways as a person who's not always in charge of her own responses in the way that other adults are. But then also reminding them like, just because she's not fully culpable for behaving in this way, it doesn't mean that your job is just to be like so good and so accommodating and so understanding that she never flies off the handle. Like you're also allowed to feel upset bewildered, sad, scared, and we can talk about that too. And and to impress both of those things on the kids, I think is really crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it's also really sad, but there's also, you know, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of different kinds of treatments for, you know, there used to be this kind of idea that like you only recover in the first year of a stroke and after that, that's all you're going to get back. And there's a lot of research lately that seems to make the case that that's not actually true. There's a lot of different types of like CBT that can be helpful for somebody who's dealing with like post-stroke disorders. Um, And there are treatments that can really, really help. So I'd also encourage you to think of this as one of the side effects from receiving treatment and brain surgery that can be, you know, uh, treated. Sorry, I think I just said treated nine times in a row, but like this should be a part of her outpatient therapy too. Yeah. 
You know a lot more about this than I do. You know, I, 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 uh, I, I've, I've had some not direct, direct experience with this, but. Right. Well, and I think it's hopeful too that the letter says she's not ready to live on her own yet, but it doesn't imply that they think she never will. So if they can help her get back to some amount of independence, I'm sure that will make everyone happier. Yeah. Yeah. And to also bear in mind, like there also may come a day when you have to start talking about like, she also, she'll continue to need like live in assistance. We can't provide that indefinitely. We need to start talking about other alternatives. Because mm-hmm. because you also have limits and needs. And it doesn't sound like you're there now, but you might be in six months or or something else might happen that could further complicate things. And it will be good to talk about all the options that are available to you. Okay, man, this is just like tough family day. Yeah, this next one is really hard too. This next one is really, really devastating. And it's my turn to read it. So I will read it. The subject is broken trust. Dear Prudence, my ex walked out on our infant daughter and me without a word. She signed away her legal rights when our daughter was a toddler. She met a new guy and didn't want the past, quote, weighing her down. I married Hannah when my daughter was four. Hannah adopted my daughter, who's six now. We've talked to her about her origins, but she hasn't shown any real curiosity yet. Out of the blue, my ex tried to contact me. She said she made a mistake and was ready to be a mom now. I told her to never contact me or my family again. If my daughter decides to seek out my ex when she's 18, I can't stop her, but I'm not going to ruin our happy life as a family now. The problem is my mother, who keeps insisting that, quote, a girl needs her mother and treating Hannah like a second-class citizen. I warned my mother to stay out of this. Then my father confessed that my mother had been secretly in contact with my ex, sending her pictures and videos of my daughter and even inviting her for a visit. She planned to take my daughter out and have her meet my ex without my knowledge. I confronted my mom and she admitted it. I told her that I hoped befriending the woman who walked out on me was worth it since it was going to cost her a relationship with me. I have since cut off contact with my mother. My father has told me that he won't see me without his wife. My siblings all think our mother was out of line, but that I have gone too far. Hannah supports me and is actually happier now, but tells me she worries I might regret this, especially since we plan to try for more children soon. I don't know how to come back from this. This one's so sad. This one's so sad. I actually had to reread the first um, part because I had I had assumed it was like a figure of speech. You know how sometimes when somebody, like their partner abandons them, they'll say some version of like, you know, they abandoned their rights to this kid when they left. And and it wasn't until I reread it and I saw that Hannah legally adopted the daughter that I realized like, mm-hmm. oh no, this this ex legally like signed something saying, I, I give up my parental rights. Yeah, termination of parental rights probably. That's a big deal. Yeah, well, and there's a couple of different parts of it too, right? Because there's the ex and the child and the stepmom and the child. Right. But that's almost not even what he's asking, right? It's it's all about the mother and the father and the betrayal. Yeah. Which is really complicated. Yeah, I think, you know, it couldn't hurt to check with a lawyer right now. I know that your ex signed away her legal rights and that Hannah has legally adopted your daughter. I don't mean at all to suggest that you're in like a precarious position, but it would maybe help to talk to a lawyer and just see if your ex wanted to try to void that, uh, you know, signing away of her rights as a parent. Would she have any legal recourse in your state? Just so you can be aware of, you know, worst case scenario, if she tried to, um, you know, come through a different route, what would we need to do? I, I don't think that's realistic. I did like a very brief like legal rundown of like, 
what states allow for the reinstatement of parental rights and like what's the burden of proof. Um, it, it would not mean anything like she would just show up and a judge would say like, here's the biological mother. She wants back in. Get Hannah out of here. But um, she could petition the court for reinstatement and you would potentially have to, uh, you know, address that with your own lawyer. Right. What do you think about the siblings think the mother was out of line but shouldn't have been totally cut off? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think fundamentally when you have a kid and you tell your relatives, like, I need to be able to trust you to act on my behalf when I'm not there, like if you're taking care of the kids. You know, there's ways that that can be too over the top. Like, I don't think you can micromanage, like, don't feed them grilled cheese because uh, I want them only to eat like fresh you know, vegetables for the rest of their life or like, you know, but, but, but something as fundamental as don't make decisions about, uh, a, a parent who walked out on them at birth and who they've never seen and expressed interest in, like, don't unilaterally make that decision on my behalf and then arrange to have my kids secretly meet them. Like that could have been so disorienting for the kid. And, and without, yeah, that like, is a major thing to do without getting too paranoid, like, that could have ended in a kidnapping. God. I mean, what I wonder is when he talked to the mother about how betrayed he felt by this, was the mother apologetic? Does the mother think she did exactly the right thing? Because I feel like if the mother seems to really understand what was so unacceptable about what she did, that seems really different to me than if she's still saying that that she, it was up to her to make that decision. Yeah. I think the thing that pushes me towards like my kind of final position is um, the letter writer's mom wasn't saying anything like your ex has demonstrated like huge real remorse and is willing to have like a non-custodial parent role, but would love to be able to meet the kid and possibly develop right. a sort of family-friend relationship. It was just biologically, she's the mother. That's who the real mother is. Hannah is nothing despite having adopted this girl and raised her with you. Right. And, and so that to me is a real sign that your mother can't really be trusted here. Right. Well, and that she just went and made this unilateral decision without presumably saying, right? Like, why wouldn't the mother have started with, I've heard from your ex. She really misses you guys. Would you consider a visit once? Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't sound like that even happened, right? Like the unilateral decision was made like on her own. And so with no open communication, I mean, how can anyone sort of trust each other? Exactly. Like, it's just, I, I don't think that your mother went in this with good intentions. I think she went in this with just whoever's biologically related trumps everything else. And I don't care that Hannah's been raising this child. I don't care that Hannah's adopted her. I, I'm going to circumvent that. Um, and then also that your ex doesn't seem at all able to respect the fact that like Hannah is this child's mother now. It's not even like, I, I know what I did was awful, but I would love to be able to see this child like once in a while. It's just like, I'm ready to be a mom now. Everybody drop what you're doing. Um, that's not okay. Like you don't get to do that. Like that that shows that she feels really entitled and is not especially concerned about what's in the best interest of your child. So I don't say that in the sense of like 
any parent who tries to come back after an abandonment should be like thrown to the wolves or hounded out of town. But this was not the right way to go about it. You have every reason to not trust your mother. And if your father says, you know, I'm not going to see you unless you're willing to like forgive your mom and have her over for dinner. That's really sad, but I don't know what you can do about that. Well, it's unclear if the mother is asking for forgiveness, right? If the mother is saying, I see why I shouldn't have done this and I would never do it again, that would be really different than if she's not. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I I, I always feel a little like, I don't know what to tell you when somebody's like, uh, my siblings or my friends or whatever agree that the initial person was way out of line, but that I've gone too far. It's just like, great. Well, what's their suggestion? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she went too far, but you should just um, let it go and uh, have her around all the time and babysit the kid and just assume she won't try to do it again. Like, I think really what your siblings are saying some version of is you're right, but don't rock the boat. And I, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Well, and the implication of she's worried I might regret this because we plan to try for more children soon, I think is like, if we have more kids, you'll want them to have grandparents. Right. But also if you have more kids, will you want someone you fundamentally don't trust involved exactly. in their lives? Yeah. I, I think that's just really it. Like I get it. I get that your goal was not to become estranged from your parents either. I, I, I get that that's not what you wanted out of this situation. It's hard. It's painful. I know. Um, but I don't know what you could do here short of saying to your mom, this was fine. So, you know, it's not like they've apologized or attempting for a reconciliation where they say, we'll uh, agree that you have the right to parent your child. Uh, And so I agree it's sad, but I think you should focus on what's working now. And if someday your mother and father want to come to you and apologize, you know, you can be available for that. Or if you're like, no, I don't want to, you don't have to hear their apologies either. I think you were right to be as upset as you were. I think this was really, really a fundamental betrayal of your parent status. And um, it was not done out of like love and compassion. You're not being like judgmental or too harsh on your ex. Like the woman left for six years, signed away her parental rights, let somebody else adopt the kid and then was like, whoopsies. I don't know. I feel a little more complicated about that, I have to say. Ooh, say that though. It's good. I don't always get to disagree with people. I want to hear more about it. I mean, I don't know. There's so much we don't know. I, I don't want to distrust this letter writer because I have no reason to, but often when a woman leaves a child, there's a lot that might be going on in her life, in her mental health, in her relationships. I, I just, I'm not saying it's necessarily safe to let her back in the child's life, but I, I'm not ready to assume that it's because she wanted to, you know, go clubbing. I, I just think it's really complicated. To be very, very clear, she she may have been going through a ton of stuff. I don't think any of this needs to be predicated on our sharing the letter writer's anger at his ex, which is like, it makes sense that he would be the most angry because he's the one who was left in the lurch. Um, right. But but none of this to me feels like, oh, we need to do this to punish this bad mom. Um, but it has to do with like, if you abandon your kid and you sign away their rights and somebody else adopts them. And then your approach to coming back into that kid's life is to try to get the grandparent who secretly believes that adoptive parents aren't real um, to Well, that's you... what I wonder. We don't know, right? Or maybe you read more than I did. We we don't know if she approached the ex-mother-in-law or the ex-mother-in-law approached her. Oh, I see, to me, it doesn't matter. To me, it doesn't matter. If, if, if she's going through yeah. indirect channels, it's because she knows right. – that she might hear a no if she went to the parents of the child and was trying to override that. And that, I think, is yeah. the indicator that 
you know, absolutely, I think we can have compassion for possible difficult things she was going through at the time, um, her very real grief that she may feel now. Um, but the the way she is going about this does not put the best interest of the child as as number one, I think. And that's a real indicator that. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. You know, this this child has a mother and 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 that mother is Hannah. Hannah is raising this child. If um, the ex wanted to try to establish some sort of contact, this was the wrong way to go about doing it. But it's always good to be reminded that we're only getting this one perspective. And, you know, as you say, we don't know. Um, it is not as common for, you know, new moms to, to walk off. And there may very well have been something else going on that was hard. And, you know, I certainly don't want her to just like suffer endlessly forever. I hope someday there's a chance for her to be able to talk to, you know, the little girl in question. But can't can't happen yeah. like this, I think. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 